Good morning, everyone. Thank you. So I want to start by reading from Luke chapter 12, one of my favorite passages, and one that's been just like super helpful for me. So Luke chapter 12, verse 22. I'll probably have to find that myself. All right, I'm going to read up to verse 32. And he said to his disciples, obviously he being Jesus, he said to his disciples, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens, they neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven... How much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Um, now, speaking of not being anxious, I forgot to pray. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray first, and then I'll get into the sermon. Um, Lord, thank you that, that this is your word, and we just pray that, that you'll bless the sermon as it comes out of my mouth, that it is just you that is speaking, and, and speak to each of us, even myself. Give us new revelations as I share, Lord, um, because we are here to listen to what you have to say to us, Lord, and bless it as it goes in, in Jesus' name. Um, now, reading this scripture this passage has been when I first read that I was like man that's really cool um and it was just kind of something that I I always knew the principle of but it was nice to have like like a physical scripture passage right in front of me that I could always um check out and that I could always go to and I could always declare because you know there's so much power in in actually declaring not just our own like prayers but being being able to pray what's already been written you know that's already God's word um, and it's been something that I've had to kind of keep coming back to many times. Um, you know, like in regards to not being worried about where my support is going to come from or not being worried about where um, my stability in my life is going to come from. It's, it's just the truth that I've stood on, you know. And I'm still young, so I, I know that I also haven't even faced some some of the financial pressures that some a lot of the people in this room will have, but it's still, it's still just as relevant. Um, and it's something that I've had to stand on and declare it. Um, because, you know, the truth is that, that God is our provider. We don't have to toil. We don't have to, to work. And, you know, I, I, I prefer the word toil because it's like this. It's like a whole other meaning. It's like we don't have to toil for our own security. Like, obviously, we have to work, but we don't have to, like, put ourselves in distress to try and make ourselves secure and to secure our own future because it's this truth that God has got us. Um, and for me, that was like, oh, awesome. 
But it does say that seek his kingdom first. So we have to seek his kingdom. I'm like, ah, cool, cool, cool. Um, And so in declaring this and in kind of going over it in my mind, just through reading it, through talking about it with other people, um, I kind of got this revelation that it's like if he says, you know, like he paints this picture of how he prepares for the birds and then he also, you know, grows the field, but then he also prepares for us as well, like, it's he's got everything like he's in control of everything he's got everything in his hands um like he has total control and i you know this was confirmed in psalms 24 verse 1 you don't have to turn to it i'll just read it it just says the earth is the lord's and the fullness thereof the world and those who dwell in who dwell therein so it, it kind of paints this picture that god is in like total control not just he will be able to supply from what he has, and we'll kind of give you a little bit here and there, and we'll be able to just take from this storehouse. Like, he's in control of everything, you know, everything natural. He is there, and he, is, he has his hand over everything. So then I was like, okay, great. So that, therefore, I don't have to stress. So God provides for me, and that's great. But then I was like, it was, it, on top of that, it was like, well, I mean, if I'm an idiot with my money, then I'm still going to lose it. So then where's the, where's the balance point? You know, because I, I was like, it feels kind of hypocritical to assume that God will provide for me even if I'm wasteful. It's like, oh, actually, that's, a, that's still a good point. It's like, then it was like, well, how do I know that I deserve this, this blessing? You know, I'm not, I'm not very clever with my money. Um, like, how do I know that I'm allowed to be provided for if... If sometimes I'm wasteful, um, and I, I want to, I want to read from. I want, can you turn to Luke chapter sixteen? I want to read this parable to kind of paint a bit of a picture. So Luke chapter sixteen, we'll just go one to thirteen. And he also said to the disciples, "There was a rich man who had a manager, and charges were brought to him that this man was wasting his possessions." And he called him and said to him, What is this that I hear about you? Turn in the account of your management, for you can no longer be my manager. And the manager said to himself, What shall I do since my master is taking the management away from me? I am not strong enough to dig, and I am ashamed to beg. I have decided what to do, so that when I am removed from my management, people may receive me into their houses. So summoning his master's debtors, one by one, he said to the first, How much do you owe my master? He said, A hundred measures of oil. He said to him, Take your bill and sit down quickly and write fifty. Then he said to another, How much do you owe? He said, A hundred measures of wheat. He said to him, Take your bill and write eighty. The master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. One who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust you to the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is in others, who will give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate one and love the other, 
or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Now, this is a pretty, um, I've, I, in my research of this parable, because um, I had to do a lot of research, because this is a, it's a tricky parable. And I think in my research, there's a lot of people just saying, a lot of quotes like, this is the most debated parable, or this is the most discussed, or whatever. And it is an interesting one, and there's a lot of things that I could bring out, but I'm not going to kind of get into the, to the nitty-gritty of it. Um, but basically, there was this manager, and then he had a steward. or No, sorry, there was a master, and then he had a manager or a steward. Um, and the dude, the steward, the manager was dishonest. Um, so the master fired him, or was like, I'm going to fire you. So this guy was like, okay, well, I'm not... I'm not strong enough to work, and plus that's degrading. So I'm not going to do that kind of work, like as in to dig a field. And I'm definitely too proud to beg. So I have to try and figure something out so that I can be received as a manager for another master or like try and, try and figure out a, a, a clever way to, to be received by someone else so that I still have a future, all right? And so what he did was he went to the people that owed his current master money and was like, he basically brought their debts down. Now, this is where the debate happens about, like, how he did it and what it meant. Um, it, it's not, like, it doesn't totally, like, it's not exactly, like, the crux of it. But, there, like, there's a theory that he did it because he was taking away his um, his own commission from it, from the sale. Or he was taking away the, the interest from it. Um, there's another opinion that he was undercutting the master, but that... The only thing is that the master commended him afterwards. So it's anyway, that is not really the point. The point is that he he was clever and he thought about it in a in a clever way, to the point where he brought down the 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 debt, so that he could make himself in good stead with those guys. So that if he when he got fired, he might have a chance of being hired by them and taken in by them. Um, and. <clears throat> Like through using his his clever his clever thinking, he was able he, he was hopefully able to secure his own future. Um, and it's interesting because we sh- we see like shrewdness isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's just cleverness. It's just being crafty, um, which still has a bad implication. But we see that the master commended him for his shrewdness. So the master was like, "Yeah, you were pretty clever," but it's still interesting because he still lost his job. So we see that he was clever and that he, he knew how to work with money. He knew how to be able to figure stuff out. But that's not what kept him the job. That's not what secured his future. It's the fact that he was dishonest with his master's money. And it doesn't matter how able he was. It doesn't matter that he was capable. Um, and it's also interesting that he, he only kind of used his cleverness once his future was at stake. Once he no longer had a house to sort of be secure that he lived in. He's like, okay, well, now I'm going to be clever. But it shows that it wasn't for lack of capability. It was just for lack of honesty and integrity. And that's why the master fired him. Um, So we see that the most important thing is to be honest and to have integrity. Because without that, the master couldn't trust him. doesn't matter how clever he was. The master wasn't able to trust him with what was his own. Because not just was he using his money, but he was actually being a representative of his money and of his estate. And so then with reading that, it's like that's this realization that I had with um, 
with chapter 12 with the do not be anxious passage, right? If everything is God's and everything is his and he owns it and he's in control of it, then I am just like that. In the, in the parable, I'm just a steward. I'm just here to kind of work with the stuff that God's given me, um, which is interesting because that's not just money, that's everything, right? I'm just a steward of everything. If God is in control of the whole world, anything that I own, I don't really own anything. I'm just a steward of it. And I'm also a representative of his kingdom. And I'm a representative of his blessing. Um, Therefore, just like the servants should have been, instead of focusing on his own future, my focus with everything that is here, everything that, that I have control of, my focus shouldn't be on the controlling. My focus should be on, the ser- on serving God. And so, just like in the parable, it's not about being clever. It's about honesty and integrity. It's the exact same for us. Now, if you can be clever, that's still good. Like, God still commends it. Like I said in verse 8, it's still, you know, he even says, um, I think the sons of the world are still more clever than the sons of light or shrewd. Sorry. Um, it's still like it's still helpful to be clever, and if that's what you naturally are, then that's good. Like God can use that to build wealth and to or to you know to to work th- things through. Um, but not everyone can actually be clever. Not everyone can be shrewd, and that's not what secures you anyway. That's not the thing that that allows you to have safety and security. That's not the thing that God says. Ah, oh, therefore I'm going to give you more money. It's the, it's the honesty and the integrity you have. Because, like I said, the manager was clever, but he lost his position due to the dishonesty. So everyone can have the right heart. Everyone can have the heart of a good steward. Because that's what God is looking for the most. You see, and you, and everyone would know, it's easy to be honest and it's easy to treat something well when it's someone else's. When you have the view that it, this is someone else's money, this is someone else's possession, it's, it's easy to be like, oh, I should actually take care of this. I should look after it, and I should spend it well. You know, if, if we were to, like, having to look after someone's estate, like if you're house-sitting, you, the house is going to be so much cleaner. I know for myself, when I house-sit, the house is so much cleaner than my house ever is, at least my room. I live with housemates, so I just let them clean up. Just kidding. So when we see it this way, we realize that the burden to provide the finances is actually on the master, right? The burden to supply all the needs and to fulfill everything is actually not on us as stewards. It's on the master. It's on God, right? All we have to do is just show honesty and integrity in handling it as well as diligence and being a good steward, and not stressing about where it's going to come from because God's going to take care of where it comes from. We just have to make sure we handle it well. Because God, and, and that's the other thing. God has already made us able. So really, it's just about focusing on him and let, letting him help us know how to deal with his money. We really got it pretty easy, I think. So when we get this right, this is so important. When we get this right, we lose the cares of everything that the dishonest manager had. Right? We don't have to stress about our future. When we start to see that, that God is in control of everything and that he's going to give us stuff so that we can look after it right, and we get that view correctly, 
means we don't stress about our future. We're not stressed about how we're going to be carried. We're not stressed about how we're going to live or survive because God has our future in his hands. You know, in verse 12, verse 32, it's like one of my favorite moments in that passage. I have to find it. It says, um, Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It's his pleasure to actually give us the kingdom. So therefore, if we can stop worrying about our future, or therefore we can stop worrying about our future because we're trusting that God has us. And then if we're able to do that, it means we can stop focusing on that and we can start to focus, focus on asking God how he can use us for the future of his kingdom and how he can use us to better and further his people. Right? Because we know that his assets, God's assets are his people. You know? Not how much money we have. His assets aren't the, the, the things that are in, in each of our individual bank accounts because God has way more than any of that. God's assets are his people. Right? And this understanding, when you get this, it also makes it a lot easier to be generous. Um, I'm just going to share a little bit about my own kind of walk. Um, I, I mentioned before about how I've had to really stand on chapter 12, um, <clears throat> just lately, um, and really just kind of declaring that truth and really declaring, oh, yes, God's got me. Um, but I, I found that even though I was standing in faith and being like, yes, God, you're, you're providing for me, and I believe that, still every now and then there were certain decisions that, that I was making that I realized that I was letting fear guide that process. I was letting fear guide my, my decisions in, in how I was handling my money. Um, and without getting too into it, I was having this like battle in my mind, a hard time kind of trying to make the honest call on certain deductions to claim during tax time, right? This is just an example. Um, and, you know, the thoughts of like, oh, man, it'd be really nice to to get that deducted or it'd be really nice to be able to claim that. Um, and then in, in kind of the, the thinking about it and the debating about whether to go through it, go through with it or not, it was just like, I just felt this voice, this thought in my head was just like, I've told you that I'm going to provide for you, so why are you trying to be sneaky? This potential decision lacks integrity and honesty and it's driven by fear. Okay. <laughs> so, um, so I repented, um, and I've, like I've, I've corrected it, and I've, I've like I've done this past financial year as well as I possibly can, um, to the best of my ability. But I know that like at least God's guiding me and being like, this is this is the best that I can do it. Um, but that was, that was a really important revelation for me because I think sometimes we can say, yes, God's going to provide for me, but sometimes we don't realize how much that has to permeate everything and how much that needs to permeate through every single decision that we can potentially make. Um, you know, it, it, and then it kind of got me on this other train of thought. It's like, well, all right, so if I'm going to, if I'm going to do this, it means I'm going to be out a bit more money, like maybe I need to start asking for more work at my job. Um, because, you know, I've been given one day off during the week, and I was like, well, actually, no, like God, like I prayed and God gave me this day so that I could use it 
to like prepare and to, to do stuff for youth, like youth prep or be able to minister to people or to have it for planning. And I was like, oh, but it's a whole day. Like, it'd be really nice to work. And I was like, well, no, God specifically told me to do this. And then I was like, okay, well, if he's in control of my money and I know that he's providing for me enough so that I have enough time to do other things, in a way that also means that he's in control of my time. Like he's in control of the free time that I have. Of course, because everything is God's. Therefore, me having the ability to have a free day and still live on this salary is still part of his provision. Right? And then the more I thought of this, I just realized everything. It just kind of was this avalanche of thought. It's like everything is his. Every single thing that I own, every single capability that I have, every, every single object of my, in my possession is his, right? And I'm just a steward. And when we see this, it changes everything. It changes our whole approach to life. See, it's not just our money, and it's not just our time. It's our ministry. It's the people that we are leading. It's our relationships with one another, the people that we have, not just as Christians, but the relationships relationships that we have in our families, the relationships that we have with our workmates, the conversations that we're able to have, like we're just stewards of that. We're just stewards. God has placed us in these, in these positions so that we can have certain conversations with people that he wants us to have. And he's telling us, he's like, I want you to be a steward of this person that I want to see come back to me. We're just stewards of that, right? We're stewards of our spiritual giftings. We're, st- we're stewards of our, of our natural giftings, the things that we have you know, like I, I, had, I had this realization that as, as a musician, right, I'm, I'm becoming whatever, I'm becoming better and better and I'm growing and I'm learning. <clears throat> and I'm, I'm not learning so that I can be better, so that I can be good, but I'm learning because it's, like this is a, a gift that God has given me. That this ability to, to play music means that I can worship at the front of church. It means that I can, I can join the music scene and I can be planted in a scene that is so, um, I don't know if bereft is the right word, but it sounds right, of, of any kind of hope that is so, there's just like a vacuum of, um, of light. And I feel like this is, this is a way that God is opening the door for me to go in there and to be able to minister to people. But I didn't have that thought originally because I was like, nah, I'm a musician because I wanted to do it and I'm just really good. Um, but through realizing that I'm a steward of this, it's like, no, God has given me the ability to be good. And then he's using me to plant me in certain areas so that I can speak to people. And there have already been some incredible conversations that I've had with other musicians. You know, going back to, to relationships, just this thought that like husbands and wives, like you don't own each other. You just are stewards of each other, like you're just you're stewards of God's, someone that God has placed in your life. You know, leaders, we don't own the people that are under us. We don't own the people, we don't own the relationships that, that the people in our cell have with God. We don't own trying to, trying to control them. And parents, you don't own your kids. I know that, that, might be, that might be hard, I don't know. I'm not a parent, so I don't understand. But like, I think it's important that we know that like parents, you don't own your kids. You are just a steward of a, of a human being that God has placed in your life. Right, our position in any context is a position that God has given us and we're just a steward of it. Whatever the context is, whatever we own, you know, even something simple like like my car. Like I'm so blessed that I got the car that I got and, I'm, and I was like, oh man, God, thank you for that. That's such a blessing for me. 
I was like, oh, actually, no, it means I can use it now to be a blessing to others. I can drive people around. I can take people out for lunch. The money in my bank account, I can be generous with it because it's not mine. And if I spend it on God's purposes, then I just have to trust that he's got it. Because, again, I'm a steward of everything. See, everything is from God and for his purposes. Right? Now, especially, I want to touch on this again, especially with natural and spiritual giftings. See, God has given us these, and God has given us the ability to attain them, like I was saying before with my musical ability. I have no problem saying that I'm a great bass player, right? Now, some of you, that might be a little bit like, okay. But I know that I am, and I know that I will be even better. I know that I will, I will and I can be great because that's what God is doing, because it's the ability that God has given me. It's not my own. I haven't, I, like... I've worked and I've, I've had things that I've done, but they're all just like natural giftings that God has given me, the family that God has placed me in, the opportunities that he's given me to be able to study and to be able to work and to play in different situations. Like these, are, these aren't things that I've managed to accrue by myself. These are things that God has given me and the ability to learn, the ability to become a musician. The point that I'm making is don't Hide away from the gifting that you have. Don't, don't try and play it down because you think that, oh, no, it's just my own and, and it's just what I'm making. Like, it's not my identity. My musical gifting isn't my identity. My identity is, is as a child of God. But this is just something that God has blessed me with, not so that I can then be great and so that I can be like, oh, yes, I'm Josh the bass player, but so that I can be used to be placed in certain situations where God can then use me as a light in areas where people, where a lot of ministers aren't really able to get to. So my point is whatever your spiritual gifting is or whatever your natural gifting is, and a lot of you will know it and some of you don't know it, but God's trying to show you, don't downplay it. And don't think that it's prideful to acknowledge your gifting. But then on the flip side, be a steward of it. Because if God has given us this, what right do we have to withhold it from him or his bride? Right? It's one thing to acknowledge it, but then it's another thing to actually be like, okay, God, you've given me this. How can you use me in this? How can you use me to benefit your kingdom? How can you use me to improve your assets, your people? And with this, we see that stewardship isn't just something that we do, isn't just like a a thing that we have to kind of approach each situation it's being a steward is is like an attitude that you have to everything in your life it's a whole attitude um can i just invite the music team back up You see, it's, it's, it's kind of like a filter through which we approach everything, right? When we see everything as a steward, when we see everything as, as God's and we're just here to, to help diligently and honestly and with integrity kind of maintain it or in, a, in our own sort of way control it, it makes it so much easier. It takes the burden off of us to try and create anything. It takes the, the pressure off of us to try and make it bigger than it is. As long as we just keep giving it to God, He's the one that's going to be able to use it. 
he's the one that's going to supply for us. Because when we act this out and when we are stewards and we, when we are faithful to our gifting, it's like, why wouldn't God provide for us? Why wouldn't God use us? Why wouldn't God build this in us? You know, it's really interesting. I shared a little while ago in a sermon that I gave about my own testimony, about how I had to essentially let go of my own plans for my musical, I don't know, dreams or whatever. And, and it was about burying it in God and letting him do the resurrecting kind of thing. Um, and it was, I, I gave this testimony about, you know, I just... I had to, it was really hard, but I had to be like, all right, God, you want me to minister, and therefore I'm going to take a step back from, from all the momentum that I've been gaining very slowly since uni in like my own musical career. I had to stop, and I had to focus on church. I had to focus on the people that God has entrusted me with to minister. But in that, it's incredible to see the, God, the, the doors that God is opening um, within my musical ability, despite my desire to try and keep pushing for it. Like, I really, I, I kind of feel like, I don't know, it feels like one of those stories where it's like, I'm, I'm sitting here not trying, just like kind of going to rehearsals or like playing with people and then God just keeps opening up these doors. But because I had have this mentality where I've, I've realized I've already given it to God, it makes it so much easier so that when I see a door open, first of all, I'm thankful first of all, I'm like, thank you, God, for what you are doing. And second of all, it means that I can act out that thankfulness by bringing God into it. Yeah. And by being <clears throat> being a light and being able to like have the conversations with people that, that need to hear about Jesus and not being afraid when something like God-themed comes up because then I can talk about it and I can talk about it honestly and openly because I know that this is a door that God is opening. Right? It's a filter. It's a whole attitude. It's not just a it's not just like, oh, I have to try and steward my money well, and then I'm going to learn how to steward my wife well, and then I'm going to learn how to steward my car. And then I'm going to... it's, it's not about that. It's about everything has to, like, has to be an overhaul. 